Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Wednesday, August 21st, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, on today's show, we're going to do a little bit of best case scenario, worst case scenario for the upcoming Michigan State football season. And then I am going to talk about a really interesting piece uh, that details, it's from the Detroit Free Press, it details recruiting, spending, uh, in some of the biggest schools across the country. And uh, I, I found it interesting. I found the results interesting and, you know, in, in some ways illuminating and in some ways very obvious. But, it, you know, you, sometimes you just sort of have to have things kind of put in your face for it to, to make full sense there. So those are the uh, the, the plan topics for today's show. We'll do best case scenario. I know we'll do worst case scenario, best case scenario, and then we'll talk about recruiting uh, expenditures. So. Uh, before we do that, reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find this podcast. You can find Lockdown Spartans. You can find any podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, wherever you get podcasts. And if you wouldn't mind, head over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating for the show, leave a review if you want to do that as well. I appreciate everyone who takes the time to do that. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores, uh, and you can email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com at any time. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about best case scenario. Actually, worst case scenario. I did that twice in, in 30 seconds. That's a, a good job by me. All right, so worst case scenario for Michigan State. Um you can kind of just blank at this one and say 2016. All right, that is going to be no, I'm just, I'm kidding. Uh yeah, that's kind of the I don't know baseline I guess is something like 2016, but uh I would think with what they have returning, what the rest of the roster looks like, even something like 3 and 9 is kind of out of the question for this team. Uh I think a worst case scenario is like last season um, but a, a little bit worse, uh, you know, same struggles on offense. Uh, the, the new scheme with Salem isn't really a new scheme. It's just a different person calling the same plays, same attitude, same mindset, not really changing anything up, just trying to, you know, play what has been Michigan state football under Mark D'Antonio, no sense of evolution, uh, and the you know the offensive line is is shuffling guys in and out. They're having health issues, and they're just not that good. They don't take that next step that they need to take this season. Lewerke's up and down. You know we're we're uh, assuming uh, avoiding an injury like last season, and maybe Brian's just up and down this season. Uh, you get a few games into the season, uh, the offense is ineffective, and you've got uh, calls for Rocky Lombardi, and then. You have a quarterback controversy on your hands. Uh, D'Antonio is generally late to make those types of switches. Uh, it continues with that sort of trend. They don't go to Lombardi by the time they do. Uh, season's a little bit lost. Uh, it's an up and down sort of back and forth situation with mixed messages and kind of a messy handling of the quarterbacks like it was last season. Uh, injury issues. Kind of plague the receivers again a little bit. Uh, the running back group never seems to figure it out, and you're left with another offense that is somewhere around 100th in the country, and uh, a lot of people scratching their heads, wondering what all the shuffling was about, wondering you know what the point was of the offseason. Did we just waste another great defense? Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, there's just so much talent there, so much 
experience, leadership, scalability, NFL players all over, that it would take just a, a really tough stretch of injuries. You know, Joe Bocci going out, Kenny Willekes going out, Mike Panashuk going out, David Dowell going out, uh, you know, Josiah Scott going like there are a lot of all American type players on that defense and you would need three, four, five major injuries before Michigan State would drop to a defense that is, you know, something below a top 30 unit. They could lose Joe Bocci and it would hurt and it would take them from a top five defense in the country to the 10th or 12th best defense in the country, but there's just so many other great players there. You can suffer a loss, uh, a couple losses, maybe even three, and still be a top 30-ish defense, depending on who it is. Uh, but, you know, worst-case scenario is Michigan State loses a handful of guys on that side of the ball, and they pair with, you know, the 100th-ranked offense, the 30th-ranked defense, and that's good enough to get them to 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Back to the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, they lose that, and they go 6-7. and seven. And you end up with a three-year stretch of, you know, just really a, a three-year stretch that started off so promising with 2017, with a bunch of sophomores at really important positions, looking like players all over the field. A, a team that wins 10 games, really bounces back. Looks like, hey, 2016 blip uh, on the radar. Michigan State is back to their double-digit winning ways. Uh, and then to follow that up with the seven and six season that played out the way it did, and then if they went something like six and seven, or even five and seven and missed a bowl game, uh, that would be just an incredibly disappointing end to what looked like could be another great three-year stretch. You know, the Lewerke era would be one we would look back on very, um, as just I guess just disappointing is is the word disappointed. Uh, because it started off so promising and, and it just frustrating, right? And especially if this season, again, injuries are something that are really just derailing things for Michigan State because they have a lot of really good players on this team. And like I said, on the defensive side of the ball, the only thing I can see really going wrong is a, a series of really tough injuries to your best players. Um, you know, there's a number of ways the offense could not get it right. But if the defense is not getting it right this season, it's because of injuries. And if that's, you know, again, this is worst case scenario. If that happened again, one year the, the offense is just completely destroyed by injuries, tanking the season, taking what could have been a 10-win team and dragging them down to a 7-win team. Uh, and then the year after that, another team that could be a 10-win team, if they're dragged down to a 7-win team because the offense or because the defense uh, suffers a bunch of injuries, back-to-back -back seasons like that, um, man, that would just be tough to to sort of get over. And you combine with that just what recruiting has looked like, and this is something I've talked about, um, you know, with where D'Antonio is in terms of age, how long he's been here, where he's at in his career, right? He's on the backside uh, of the coaching career. I think there's still plenty of years left with D'Antonio. Uh, and this is something I've talked with. I forget who it was, maybe uh, Stephen Brooks. Uh, but there's got there, you know there's negative recruiting going on. You don't know how long D'Antonio is going to be at Michigan State. He's been there for a while. You know retirement could be around the corner for him. That's something that uh, is starting to get brought up. And if you stack together a couple mediocre seasons like this, maybe people are starting to wonder aloud. You know when is that time coming? Is it time to start thinking about this? Does D'Antonio 
have many more years left at Michigan State? Is it time to start formulating the plan for what's next? What type of hit does recruiting take? Uh, can they, you know, turn in a strong class for next season and, and sort of try to reestablish themselves and, and bounce back in 2020 with, you know, still plenty of good players on the roster. Um, but if it goes wrong this season, if it plays out like that, you know, the impacts are going to be felt beyond just on the field. It'll certainly be a disappointing season if it played out like that. But the worst case scenario here is uh, the offense doesn't stack uh, stack up. They don't get their act together. It's the same story as last season. The defense takes a step back due to injuries uh, and maybe just a little bit of general regression because it's tough to play at that high a level uh, over a long period of time. And sometimes defense... Um, isn't repeatable year to year, although I would argue a defense that good didn't force enough turnovers last season. And some of that uh, is attributed, a decent amount of that is attributed to just bad turnover luck. And so they're more likely to, to flip that this year. Uh, but if that stuff played out, it played out like that two years in a row, recruiting starts to nosedive a little bit and you're bringing in the 43rd best class instead of the 30th or 25th best class. You know, that's, that's the worst case scenario for me. And then again, we just start hearing chatter about is it time for D'Antonio to step away as he passes prime can Michigan State ever regain its fastball uh in the D'Antonio era with Ohio State with Michigan with Penn State being strong because that's kind of the narrative right now is that with those three programs going Michigan State isn't going to be able to have enough to put things together to win the Big Ten East so that's the worst case scenario I don't really foresee it happening. I don't think it can get much worse than that unless, you know, everyone gets hurt. But that realistic worst case scenario is something around a 500 season with the offense uh, not taking any steps forward and the defense taking a slight step back. All right, let's take a break right there. When we get back, we'll talk about best case scenario. Guys, if you're playing fantasy football, you need to check out the Lockdown Fantasy Football Podcast and listen to Vinny Iyer. Vinny's got 20... Excuse me. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same podcast as everyone else because then you're just getting the same information as them and then you're not getting an edge. Get the edge with Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and keep you ahead all season long. Lockdown Fantasy Football can be found on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Lockdown Spartans. Let's talk about a best case scenario, huh? Something more fun than that not so great first segment I just did there talking about how it can all go wrong. Let's talk about how it goes right. Start on defense because that's pretty straightforward. Uh, the new pieces fit. Everyone gels together. Good health, decent health at the very least. Uh, and what was a top five defense in the country last year holds course uh, and, and maybe even improves a little bit. Kenny Willekes becomes a little bit better at rushing the passer. Uh, Raycon Williams is making plays in the backfield. Jacob Panashuk takes a step forward opposite of Kenny Willekes. Uh, the linebackers are steady. Everyone stepping into a new starting role uh, does a good job. You know, Josiah Scott back from injury, fully healthy, is playing at an All-American level. Josh Butler is an All-Conference type player back there. Xavier Henderson looks to be a future star, and maybe even by the back uh, half of the season is playing like a star. And Dowell is uh, his usual self, building on uh, a solid junior season and showing that he's one of the better safeties uh, in the entire country. And, you know, the defense is just great. They, they get the 22 starters. They're, they're bringing guys in and out. You guys like Naquan Jones are taking steps forward. Uh, the reserves are playing big. Uh, younger guys, Kalon Gervin, uh, Michael Dowell, uh, are just, you know, 
making plays uh, in their in their spots. Brandon Boyer Randall comes in as a, sort of a, a pass rushing third down blitzing sack specialist and is putting up numbers, getting after the passer, and everything's just kind of meshing and working on that side of the ball in Michigan State. Uh, just has an absolutely elite defense that is stonewalling every single team they play, regardless of the talent on the other side of the ball or the scheme or, or whatever it is. It's a versatile, great unit that is uh, well-coached, deep, and talented, full of pros, uh, and they just put together another banner season and end up with a top one or two defense in the country. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, well, special teams, uh, Geiger and Hartbarger, um not Kiger, excuse me, Coglin and Hartbarger. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, I just said the wrong kicker. Coglin and Hartbarger do a good job. Speedy Nailers returning punts and does a good job in the special teams unit is solid. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, we get some nice tweaks. Uh, the offense is modernized a little bit. It's updated. There's uh, a different dynamic to it. It's a confident group. The offensive line takes that step forward that we're hoping they can, and the scheme helps them a little bit. And they're, you know, I don't see them really getting to be a great offensive line this season, but you know, maybe they become a, a good offensive line by the time we're we're hitting the midway point of the season. We've seen that before with Michigan State lines as they gel and develop throughout the season. Uh, the receivers are as advertised. Uh, you know, Cody White breaks out in a big way and just looks like a, a future pro. Daryl Stewart puts together a great senior season and, and is more than just a guy who can kind of be a possession guy, can stretch the field a little bit, make plays, make contested catches, score touchdowns. Speedy Naylor uh, is just a, a dynamic difference maker in the return game and catches the ball and is a game breaker. Uh, takes handoffs and does all sorts of different things and is someone they get the ball to a ton and makes huge plays. The running backs get sorted out and, and you get a guy like Anthony Williams Jr. taking a step and being a dyna dynamic freshman, uh, dynamic presence as a freshman. And then Hayward and Ladarius Jefferson or Eli Collins or Brandon Wright, someone in that group uh, establishes themselves as the the guy, a really good, effective Big Ten running back, and there's good depth behind him, uh, and you just have a stable of really good backs, and Michigan State's run game gets going. And then Brian Lewerke is back to his sophomore year, plus some improvement. Uh, he's matured. He's back to a, a somewhat consistent passer in terms of accuracy, makes good throws. Uh, his legs are involved in you know, he's said that he's hoping to hit 700 yards rushing. Maybe he thinks he maybe even could get to a thousand. Uh, and, you know, maybe he ends up throwing for 3,200 yards, 3,000 yards, rushes for 700 yards, uh, puts up 30 something combined touchdowns, uh, you know, 28 in the air, six on the ground. Uh, you know, the, the interception numbers are cut back. And he's just a really effective, dynamic player back there. Uh, and just, yeah, like I said, back to sophomore version of Brian Lewerke, plus some seasoning, plus some experience, plus some increased skill. And he's, you know, a, a threat for the best quarterback in the conference. Maybe he's the best uh, quarterback in the conference, maybe second team, all Big Ten, someone who is uh, in the conversation as a day two, day three type draft pick uh, and is really sort of put last year in the rear view and reestablished himself and, and Michigan State ends up having a, a number one or two defense and a top 50 offense somewhere in there, top 50, top 40, uh, a, a good offense, not a great offense, but an effective offense that is doing positive things every single game, scoring 
uh, into the 30s uh, with some consistency. They score into the 40s against bad teams, uh, and they can do enough against really good defenses to win more slugfesty type games, right? Win a game 24 to 17, 21 to 18 when they're playing a really good team like a Michigan who's going to have a good defense uh, and they're able to, to grind out wins and do enough against good defenses to not leave their defense out to dry like they did too many times last season. Uh, and you end up with an 11 and 1 probably regular season. I think the schedule uh, sets up in a way that it's just too many tests for them to have to pass to think they could go undefeated. I think I would give them a 1% chance to run the table this year in the Big Ten. Uh, but to go 11-1, and one, win the Big Ten East, and win the Big, Big Ten, uh, although I would put the chances pretty low, uh, I think it's somewhere in the realm of best-case scenario possible. And again, this is not what I think is going to happen, but this is the best-case scenario. If Michigan State has far and away the best defense in the conference, one of the best in the country, and you know the fourth or fifth, sixth, you know, middle to upper middle uh, offense in the country with good special teams, they'll win the conference. And you know, an eleven and one type season, go back to the playoff, probably get smoked by Clemson or Alabama. Um, but you know, nobody's beating those two teams lately, uh, and so. You just kind of take that for uh, for what it's worth there. It's not going to damper another college football playoff bid. Um, and then, yeah, you've got in the last five years, you, you can suddenly just kind of pause, look back and say, all right, in the last five years, Michigan State has gone to the college football playoff twice. They've won 10 plus games three times. Uh, you know, the other two seasons uh, kind of sandwiched in between there were certainly forgettable. Uh, but this program is still very much here. They are very much competitive. They can survive when Michigan is good. They can survive when Ohio State's good. They can survive when Penn State's good. They can win the Big Ten East and be the Big Ten's representative in the college football playoff. Maybe the ceiling isn't to the level of an Ohio State, right? They can't really challenge Alabama, they can't challenge Clemson, they can't challenge Georgia or maybe even Oklahoma, the, two, the true top, top teams. Maybe the ceiling isn't quite to that level, but it's still a very high ceiling in a program that is sort of uh, back on track. And then recruiting uh, comes right with that, right? Michigan State's class is kind of sitting in the 50s right now. It jumps back up into the 30s, uh, high 20s, somewhere 28, 27, with a good average star rating that would put them right around 20, 22, kind of how they settle in their top four or five class in terms of average star rating in the Big Ten. And you're on your merry way. Nobody's hitting any panic buttons. Everything is rah-rah and great in East Lansing. The offensive assistants are, get their contracts extended back to two-year rolling contracts. Everybody gets a raise. Antonio gets a raise. Uh, the statue is starting to be built outside of Spartan Stadium of Mark D'Antonio, and everybody's happy. And the the horribleness of 2018 and 2016 are completely wiped off the face of the earth. That's as if they never happened, and they're easy to excuse. And Michigan State is, uh, again, back to kind of the, the peaks that they've been able to reach under D'Antonio. So that's the best-case scenario. Uh, would be wonderful if it happened uh, it'd be really fun to be a part of it if it happened to cover it if it happened um I, again i'm not putting the chances of that happening too too high i've been on record saying i think uh nine wins is probably the most likely scenario for them in the regular season maybe they can get to 10 
uh, 11 or 12 is a really tough ask <laughs> for even a team with this good a defense. That's uh, asking the offense to take a really big step that I'm not quite sure they're ready to take, but still that's the best case scenario. 11 and one win the big 10 East, uh, win the big 10, go back to the college football playoff and probably lose the best case scenario is they lose by like 14 to Alabama or 14 to Clemson because, you know, and it's a seven point game the whole time and Clemson gets a late touchdown to sort of put it away. That's the best case scenario. (laughs) Uh, So we'll go with that. All right. We'll take a break right there. When we get back, I want to talk about um, how much programs are spending and recruiting and where Michigan state stacks up there. Guys, uh, if you're looking for a new daily NFL podcast, you need to check out Locked On NFL. It's hosted by Brian Peacock, and you get the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson as his co-host. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL. You get Matt's unique take as a former scout, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Subscribe to Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. All right, let's uh, talk about some recruiting spending. Um, So, Here's the headline from, actually, it's through the Detroit Free Press, but it's part of the Gannett uh, USA Today, Gannett slash USA Today media group. This is a shared story kind of from everyone. Um, The investigation through the USA Today just kind of uncovered how much these different schools spend in recruiting. Georgia leads the way. Um, Here, let me get them. Their fiscal year 2018 expenses in recruiting were $2.6 million. that's a 351% increase from the Mark Richt era 2013 uh, to now here in 2018 last year. Alabama, $2.3 million. You're going to notice some things here. It's the, the teams that really recruit well spend a lot of money on recruiting. Uh, Clemson, $1.8 million. Florida State, $1.5. Florida's $1.1, almost $1.2 million. Kansas, surprisingly, $1.1 million, but... Uh, you know, Les Miles is now there. I, I would, and they're really Kansas is picking up some big time recruits, so they're looking to turn things around. LSU, 1.3 million. Michigan, 1.4 million. Ohio State, or uh, Nebraska, 1.25. Uh, Ohio State's right around a million dollars. Oklahoma's 1.26. Penn State, 1.4. Tennessee, 2 million. Texas, almost 2 million. Texas A&M, 1.7 million. Uh, you're you're getting the picture, right? You understand here that the schools, if you go through the, the rivals 24-7, whatever recruiting service you want, uh, you go through the team rankings year in, year out, uh, and you can find a very strong correlation between who's at the top of these leaderboards and who is spending the most on recruiting. And these are all public schools, so we're not getting Notre Dame or anything like that. I would assume Notre Dame's around $1.3, $1.4, $1. $1.5 million dollars. Uh, so Michigan state spends $766,000 spent $766,000 in 2018 on recruiting from 2013 to 2018. They only went up 22%. That is quite low. Uh, Michigan's gone up 110%. Louisville has gone up 250%. LSU 122%. I'm just literally scrolling through here. Florida State, 271% increase. Alabama, 140% increase. Clemson, 190% increase. Uh, the, the schools that are Oklahoma State, even 137%. Oklahoma, 50% increase. Penn State, 90% increase or 86% increase. Texas, 232. Texas A&M, 326. All these schools 
who are on top of these recruiting things. Even Utah, who's up 100% and spends about a million dollars every year in rec- or last year in recruiting. The schools that are spending more and more and more in recruiting uh, and are increasing how much they spend year in and year out uh, are the teams that are recruiting the best. In Michigan State, uh, let me see, I lost the number there. There it is, $766,000, 22% change. Um, here's some schools. I'll, I'm just going to go through these kind of quickly and, and give you an idea of who, and it's going to make a lot of sense to you, who Michigan State is recruiting against, what sort of class they are in in recruiting. Louisville, $724,000. Kentucky, seven ninety one. dollars Iowa, six hundred eight. Indiana, six hundred ninety two. Illinois, $739,000. Colorado, six hundred thirty let us see here. North Carolina State, $550,000. Oklahoma State, seven fifteen. Oregon State, six seventy four. Purdue, uh, 555 Rutgers. This is crazy. Rutgers, $824,000. Uh, UCLA, 764,000. Virginia, Virginia Tech, 727, 563. Washington, 714,000. West Virginia, 626,000. Um, those are the teams that Michigan State ends up kind of surrounded by in the team rankings, uh, for the most part, year in and year out. Uh, those are the teams that they kind of compete against West Virginia, Kentucky, Purdue, uh, Louisville. They've recently lost recruits to Indiana. They're in recruiting battles with Iowa. They're in recruiting battles with that's the, that's the class of recruiting that Michigan state's doing right now. And it's not a low class of recruiting, certainly, but it's not an upper class of recruiting. Um, it's not what Alabama's doing. It's not what Michigan's doing. It's not what Clemson's doing. It's not what Georgia's doing. It's not even what Kansas is doing. It's not what Iowa State is doing. And Iowa State has taken a big jump in recruiting, spending a lot of money on it. It's not what LSU's doing, who's, who's really jumped up in recruiting expenditures. And that's something that I would hate to see something like a lack of resources financially being put into recruiting uh, resulting in uh, like a lack of recruiting. It looks like there's a very strong correlation into how much money you spend and what type of recruiting class you can put together. And we know that Michigan State develops talent as well as anybody in the country. Um, but you're kidding yourself if you don't think that Mark D'Antonio and company would love to have a class full of five and four star kids. Um that just it raises your ceiling. It turns your program into you know. Nick Saban in Alabama have found a way to do it. Have found a way to have all these super talented kids not have things get off the rails, um, keep everything under control, and just create a machine. And Clemson's done it as well. And there are ways to to sort of have really talented, really high profile kids on your campus and keep everything uh, running very smoothly. A number of programs have found ways to do it. So I don't think Michigan State, as much as they love kind of unearthing gems and finding guys that fit the program, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that they would love to be in play for all the top 50, top 100 recruits in the country, which unless they're from Michigan, Michigan State's just not in play generally for those players. Uh, And I think... You know, some of it is, you know, based on success and, and all the other things we talk about, brand recognition, yada, 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 uh, the way coaches recruit. 
Uh, Michigan State has a much more laid-back recruiting approach and the type of player they look for, but I do think some of it can be uh, pointed to them having a middle-of-the-pack expense for for recruiting. They just don't spend as much as the, the schools that are competing at the highest level, the schools that are getting the biggest and the best recruits. And that's something that I think uh, it's just, I guess, too bad is the way to sort of put it. I know everything has a budget and you can't overextend yourself, um, but I would rather them find a way to add an extra few hundred thousand dollars to that, get over the million dollar mark, get up to $1.2 million, be close to what Michigan is spending, spend around what Penn State is spending to be able to just pour more resources in that, whether that's more recruiting personnel, whether that's more trips, uh, trips to different places, more camp type things, whatever uh, they can do to get themselves uh, in communication with more high-end prospects. Uh, You know, I'm all for that. And I think it's something that can be done because uh, Michigan State's football program uh, brings in a lot of revenue. It's a it's a program with a lot of money. They're not worried about things. They just did a crazy locker room renovation a couple of years ago. Got a huge group uh, of alumni, huge alumni base, plenty of really great donors. Uh, if you want to, you know, add a few hundred thousand dollars every year to get that recruiting budget over a million dollars for the next decade. Call Dan Bill Gilbert, ask him to give you a million dollars or something. We got plenty of people uh, who do a lot of donating to this school, and I would love to see some of that poured into college football recruiting and really uh, college basketball recruiting too. I'm not sure. These are just football numbers, but if we want Michigan State to recruit with the biggest schools, uh, I think they have to spend like the biggest schools as well. And to be outspent by Rutgers in recruiting, to be outspent by Minnesota in recruiting, um, it's just not the the greatest look considering how good Michigan State has been, how effective their program has been, and how much they just really haven't been able to convert on-field success into success in the recruiting trail. They've unearthed players. They've got guys lower level and done a really great job developing Um but, you know, not ever pulling in a top 10 class after three straight years of finishing in the top five on the field. Uh, that's that's tough. Usually that sort of on-field success brings with it recruiting success. And, and, you know, they did get a class that was like 15th, the 2016 class. Yes, it didn't work out. That doesn't mean it, it wouldn't work out in the future. But even that class, um, as good as it was uh, on signing day, you know, it still wasn't quite what three straight top five finishes and a trip to the college football playoff would suggest you could be able to pull in. Um, And so I think some of that can be drawn straight back here to resources. And, you know, I just would like to see Michigan state be able to throw more resources into recruiting uh, and spend and recruit like the big schools do. All right. That's going to be it for today's episode of locked on Spartans. We'll be back tomorrow. We have a guest coming on a listener uh, who is going to pick some games. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, and we will you know, talk about whatever else comes up in the world of Michigan State Athletics. So look out for that tomorrow. We will see you then.